Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Verse, the verses that we read, if you're familiar with your Bibles, you know that in Genesis chapter 19, God goes to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is meeting with uh, Abraham at this time. And actually, just before we read in uh, verse number 17, 18, and 19, we see that God gives the promise to Abraham of a son. In verse number 11, if you have your Bibles open there, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And so here we see there that here is uh, that passage where Abraham and Sarah, they're past the time where they're thinking about having children, and God comes to them, God comes to Abraham and promises to him a child. And this is, of course, where Sarah laughs within her heart and And God has come down and met with Abraham. He's given him this promise. They have some fellowship uh, together before they go into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the story about the judgment there in the city for their wickedness. And we know the story about Lot being in the city and about him and and his uh, family that is there. And uh, we don't have time to go into this, but what a comparison between the father that Abraham was and the father that Lot was, and the end result of their families because of their leadership. But what's interesting to me is that in this passage, we see that God makes a few mentions about Abraham as a father and his leadership. Let's look at the verses again. In verse number 17, and the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him. That's an amazing statement that we need to consider carefully, that God knows us. And God knew Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. I want to take a look this morning at leading fathers and looking at the example that Abraham left to us and look at what God said about Abraham. The first thing that I notice about a leading father, about Abraham's leadership, the first thing that I see is a leading father's command. I see, first of all, the command. In verse number 19, it says, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. For Abraham, it was not just enough for him in his family life to have a personal relationship with the Lord. He wanted his family to also have a relationship with God. He wanted not just to follow the ways of the Lord, he wanted his children to also follow in the ways of the Lord Therefore, he gave his children commands. And I want to see that this command, first of all, comes from authority. This is a command that comes from authority. Abraham's ability to command his children and his home was because of the authority that was given to him as a father. As the father, he had the authority to give commands. And I know that authority is not necessarily the most a popular um, position 
these days. I imagine a big part of it is because of the abuse from those that are in authority. We see about the abuse of authority from those in political positions, in governmental positions. We've heard about the abuses that they have made. And we know about the abuses of those that are maybe in the workplace, bosses, abusing the authority that they have. And of course, we, we know about in the family as well that there are those in the family that have abused the authority that they have. But just because people in authority abuse the authority does not mean that authority is evil. It isn't. Just because people abuse money and use it for wickedness doesn't mean that money is wicked. Just because people abuse their rights to drive a car and drive recklessly doesn't mean that cars or driver's licenses are wicked. Of course, sex is not evil. It was created by God. But outside of marriage, it is sin. So we understand, of course, that authority is given by God. God is the ultimate authority. And Abraham, as the father, gave commands because of the authority that he had. And notice the word that God used. He used the word command. Not just suggest, not just to hint at, Abraham commanded his children to walk in the way of the Lord. He didn't just say, well, this might be a good idea, Isaac, if you want to maybe think about possibly doing this sort of thing. Abraham commanded his children. He said, walk in the way of the Lord. Follow God. Love him. Serve him. And Abraham clearly gave commands. We may not see it necessarily explicitly written in Scripture, but God here says when he becomes a father, he will command his children and his household after him. Of course, we know when we talk about Abraham's child, who are we talking about? We're talking about Isaac. We all know about Isaac. We know about the story, the miracle. We even mentioned it briefly here this morning. But the interesting thing about this point in time, as you may have figured, because of the promise we just read, Isaac was not yet born at this time. Isaac isn't alive. He won't be alive for many, many more years after this. But at this point in time, God knows that Abraham will command his children when he has them. Those of you that are maybe not fathers yet in this room, but you will be fathers, now is the time to prepare to be a father. I know sometimes it's tempting to think, oh, I'm not a father, so this message doesn't apply to me. Those of you that are maybe here this morning, you're younger, you're not yet fathers, but you're going to be a father one day, now is the time to prepare to be a father. Your children will either be blessed or suffer some consequence based on some of the decisions that you make today. So you need to live for the Lord today. And we see, first of all, that a leading father, he will command his children after him because of authority, a command that comes from authority. But with authority, not only comes the right to command, but we also see a responsibility. We see the command that comes from authority, but also the command that comes from authenticity. 
Abraham could command his children from the authority that was given to him, but also he would command from authenticity. In verse number 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him or behind him, with him. He will command his children to follow behind him. You know, sometimes the picture of authority can be something of, you know, uh, uh, somebody who has a remote control car or something like that. That the commander will just sit there and give some orders and then, you know, they have to do everything. But authority that is right, that gives commands from authority and authenticity is more like a train. When we have a train, you see the engine there at the front and it pulls all of the cargo behind it. All of the cargo goes exactly where the engine leads it, right? If the engine leads down this track, that's where all the cargo follows behind. If they're at a switch point and it goes that way, then it goes that way. If the engine goes off the rails, guess where the cargo goes? It also goes off the rails. And leadership and authority and commanding here comes from authenticity. Abraham could command his children to keep the way of the Lord because he kept the way of the Lord. He didn't just tell his children to do it. He showed them how to do it. He was the example in their lives. He was the example to his son Isaac. He's the example of faith that's referenced in the New Testament several times. And he could tell Isaac, live by faith, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Follow after him. Why? Because he was the example of faith. Abraham could command his children, he could command Isaac to obey the Lord because he himself was obeying the Lord. He had obeyed the Lord when he was told to leave Mesopotamia. He was told to leave his home. He was told to leave his relatives and his family behind and go to a land where he didn't even know where he was going. And he followed the Lord and he obeyed the Lord and he did what the Lord had commanded him. And so, therefore, he could command his child to also do the same. The command that he gave to his child Isaac came from authority, but it was also paired with authenticity. If Isaac could ever or would ever have a moment of doubt, of, of faith, if he ever doubted his father's faith, maybe they had a discussion or any questions, Abraham could simply take his son Isaac and walk out of the tent and ask him, Isaac, what do you see? And he would answer, I see a wilderness. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around. And he said, exactly. I left by faith. I left my home in faith. And I followed the Lord. And God has blessed me. And God will continue to bless me. Therefore, you also must follow the Lord. Follow the Lord in faith. Trust in him. A leading father's command and authority must match his authenticity. That's not to say that a, a, a leading father must be perfect. Of course, we're imperfect. We're not perfect people. We make mistakes. We sin. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. But we need to be real and authentic. When we make a sin, we need to repent of it and say, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have been there. 
I shouldn't have thought that. We need to be genuine in our desire to know God, to love God, to obey God, and to seek God. And our families know whether we are authentic or not. Our families know. If you're married this this morning, your spouse knows if you're authentic or not. Your children will know if they don't know already whether you are authentic or not. They will see what you say, or they will hear what you say, and they will see what you do, and they will ask themselves the question, do those two things match? And Abraham, though he was not perfect, he led from authenticity. He commanded his children and his household after him. He was a leading father because he commanded with authenticity. Also, we see that there was a command that comes from affection. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. The command was to keep the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord, of course, is the best way. It's the blessed way. It's the right way to do justice and judgment is what God says about his way. And the command to keep the way of the Lord is not a selfish command. It is a selfless command. It is not a command that comes purely for my benefit, but comes primarily for my child's benefit. A leading father will command for his child's benefit. A command that comes from the heart that says, I want the best for you. I want God's way for you. I want God's blessings for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to do well. I want it to be well with you. In Joshua 24, verse 15, it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, Joshua was a leading father. He said, I'm not ju- it's not just me who's going to serve the Lord. My home, we will serve the Lord. And he also, I'm sure, commanded his children and his household after him. But notice the context of the verse. In Joshua chapter 24, we're at the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua is near the end of his life. In fact, in the previous chapter, he he tells all of the nation, I am old. I am stricken in age. I'm, I'm about to pass away. And so I have some final words and some final instructions for you. And he, and he spends the next uh, two chapters explaining and speaking and uh, reminding them. And, and he goes through this long discourse. And at the very end here in verse number 15, as we're reading it, he says, but if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, he says, if you think it's not good to serve God, then you choose whom you're going to serve. He says, if you want to serve the gods that were on the other side of the flood, on the other side of the water, he says, you want to go back to the gods of Egypt when our God proved through the ten plagues all of those gods were false gods? You can go back and serve those gods if you want to, but I want to serve the God that has power to overcome the greatest nation on earth. 
You can go back and serve those gods if you want to. And he says also, or the gods of the Amorites. You want to serve the gods of the, of the people of this land? You can if you want to. Just remember that God gave you victory over those people. You want to serve the gods of Egypt? You can. You want to serve the gods of the Amorites? You can. But God gave power to overcome them both. Why would you not want to serve this God? And he's telling the children of Israel this, but he's saying it at the end of his life. There's no personal benefit for him. He's about to pass away. He's saying this for their benefit. He was giving all of these commands for the benefit of the people. He says, you want to suffer the fate of the people of Egypt? You can if you want to. You want to suffer the same fate as the people of the Amorites? You can if you want to. But why not serve the Lord? Follow God. Decide to live for him. And Joshua gave a command and, and gave some orders and gave some instructions, not really for his benefit. He was giving it for their benefit. And a leading father will give commands for their children's benefit. Don't be afraid to command your family to walk in the way of the Lord, to keep the way of the Lord. But we must remember that a leading father's command, it comes from authority from God. But it must also come with authenticity in life and affection from the heart. What you command and why you command matter. But we must command our families to walk and to keep the way of the Lord. We see a father's command. We also see a father's course. Verse number 19. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. One of the worst things a father could do to his child is to let him go his own way. One of the worst things that a father can do is to let his child go his own way. Because we know that our way led us astray. Our way was the wrong way. Our way was the sinful way. Our way brings destruction. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Our children need fathers who will command them from authority, with authenticity, with affection, and to command them to keep the way of the Lord. And what is that way? What does it mean to keep the way of the Lord? What is that way? Well, we know that Jesus is that way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Our first responsibility as parents is to lead our children to Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And as much as I love my child, that verse includes her. There is none righteous, no, not one. And for the wages of sin, it is death. That's what the Bible says. And my child is not excluded from that verse. My child is not the exception to that rule. My child is a sinner. 
who one day when she grows up to understand, she will need to trust in Christ for herself. That is my number one responsibility as a father. To lead my child to Christ. Fathers, that is your one responsibility. They need to be saved. And fathers, it's on you to lead them there. You can't make them to be saved, but you need to lead them there. Fathers, that is your job. To show them their sin, to show them the consequences, to show them that there is a heaven and a hell. That is your job. What does it matter if a man gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What does it matter if we lead our children to great academic success if they die and they go to hell? What does it matter if they get into the best colleges of the land if they die and they go to hell? What does it matter if they become millionaires and billionaires if they die and they go to hell? What does it matter? What if we spent our whole life investing into our children but all they find is success in their short 70 years and they suffer pain and torment and destruction for all of eternity? What does it matter? Fathers, we have a responsibility to lead our children to Christ. How often do you spend time talking to your child about the Lord, about their sin, about a God who loves them, about salvation? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not your Sunday school teacher's job to lead your child to the Lord. It's not your wife's job, the mother's job, although she can be a great influence. If we are going to take the mantle of authority, we must take the mantle of responsibility as well. That we will take the lead and we will show our children the gospel. And we will lead them to the Lord and pray that they will trust in Christ. That is our job as fathers. That's what Abraham did. He commanded his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. First of all, they need to be saved. If there's anybody here this morning that you're not saved, father, maybe there's a father here today that's not saved. The first step for you is for you to be saved. Is there anybody here this morning who's not saved? You need to be saved as well. But to keep the way of the Lord is more than just to be saved. You may be saved this morning. Think back to that moment where you got saved. Think back to the place where you got saved. Think about the person that was there with you, maybe praying with you or showing you the gospel when you got saved. Think about that moment. Think about how long ago it was, or maybe how recent it was.
there's more to the Christian life than just salvation. After you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit, though, that moves inside of you. You have a purpose now that was different from before. Before you lived for the flesh, before you lived for this world, before you lived for the short temporary time that you have, but after you get saved, you have a heavenly father. You have a new Lord. You have a new master. And we must keep the way of the Lord. It's easy when you're in a home where your parents, they, they take you to church and things like that to follow them. I went to church when I was a child because, partly because my friends were there and partly because I didn't have a choice. When your parents are big enough to pick you up and put you in a car and strap you in and drive you there, you go there. You follow them. When your parents are the ones that feed you and clothe you, you do what they say. But going to church is not just when your parents make you do it. Going to church is not just about, well, my friends are there or not there. We have a Heavenly Father who died on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for our sins. The Heavenly Father sent him to die for us. And is it enough for us to simply trust in the Lord as our Savior and then just continue on our own way as we went before? No, we must keep the way of the Lord. We must continue to follow the path. David says in 2 Samuel 22, verse 22, For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. Verse 23, For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him, and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eye's sight. For David, what did it mean to keep the way of the Lord? He said, for I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. First of all, it's about a relationship. The way of the Lord is not just about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. How well do you know God? How well do you know him? How much time have you spent with him? But also it includes his commandments. Verse 23, for all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. To follow God is to follow his word. Because you cannot separate the Savior from the scriptures. John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What was Abraham teaching his child Isaac? He was teaching him to obey the commands of God. That includes several things. First of all, we need to know what the commands are, don't we? Fathers, if you're going to command your children to keep the way of the Lord, to follow the commands of God, 
the instructions in the Bible, don't you need to know what they are first? You need to know what the Bible says. And when you give a command to your child, you need to have a reason, a Bible reason for it. Why do we do this? Dad, why do we go to church? Dad, why don't we watch that show on TV? Dad, why don't we go to these places? Dad, why should we or should we not listen to this music? Why shouldn't we say these things? Dad, why can't I do that? That's what my friends are doing. We need to be able to show them from the Bible, this is why we don't do that. We come to church because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Hey, there are some brothers that need some encouragement. They need some exhortation. We need to come together as a body of Christ to worship the Lord, to serve him, to honor him. We need to have some reasons. A leading father needs to know God's word, and he also needs to live God's word. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, this is not talking about fathers, but this is the heart of it, I believe. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. Not as being a dictator over the church, this is talking about the, the pastors. Not as being dictators over the sheep, but being ensamples or examples to the flock. Show them. Live it for them. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't just say, tell the child the way he should go. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Judges chapter 2, verse number 10, down through to verse number 23. It's a long passage, but I want to read it for you this morning. I know I don't typically read passages of scripture this long. I wanted to break it up, but this passage is, I think, going to be very helpful for us this morning. Of course, you know that the book of Judges comes after the book of Joshua. Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua has now passed away. Now there's not really any leadership. And so there were some judges, though, that God would send from time to time when they needed it. But I want to take a look at verse number 10 and see what God says about really all of the book of Judges. Verse number 10, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. This is the generation that was in the wilderness. This is the generation that saw the Jordan River to be parted. This is the, the generation that saw manna come down every morning. This is a generation that saw some great victories in the promised land. They conquered the giants. They conquered the land. They saw some amazing miracles. But this generation, now all of it, they've been gathered unto their fathers. They've all passed away. And there arose another generation after them. We need to always remember there's another generation after us. Which knew not the Lord. The shame is that there was a generation that saw great victory and experienced the Lord's working in amazing ways, but the next generation didn't know the Lord. 
nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. That's why we need to command our children to keep the way of the Lord. To introduce them to the Savior and to command them to keep the scriptures so that they could know the Lord and know the same works that we know. Because if they don't, we'll see what happens in verse number 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people which were about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. If we don't introduce our children to the Savior, if they don't trust in Christ as their Savior, if they don't keep the ways of the Lord, what will happen is that they will forsake the Lord and they will serve other gods, the gods of the people around them. Verse 13, And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. In following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. That through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Do you see what happens when there is a generation that they know the Lord, they know the works of the Lord, but the next generation doesn't know that same Lord? You know what happens? This is what happens. We need to command and to lead our family in the way of the Lord to keep the scriptures. Thirdly, I see a father's compensation. Verse number 18 says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I know, of course, that this promise is not for all fathers. It's a promise given specifically to Abraham. 
I know that. I know the promise is for Israel, it's for the descendants of Abraham. It's about the land, it's about the people, it's about them becoming a great nation. But I want to take a look in general with the promises that God gives to fathers in terms of compensation. Well, we see, of course, that it's the compensation is by promise. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 7, The just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a promise of reward for the fathers, blessing in the lives of his children. 3 John chapter 4, uh, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk there's a great promise there. We see that there's a father's compensation by promise, also a perpetuation. Verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. It's not just about his days, but about his descendants. Not just years, not just decades, but centuries and millennia later, people are still blessed because of Abraham. Today, we are still blessed because of Abraham. And his people are still blessed today. There is a blessing of perpetuation that happens. Hezekiah, as some of you may know, was a, he was a king in the nation of Judah. He was a good king. For the most part, he did that which was right. He wasn't perfect, but he was a good king. We would, if you were to put it on a scale of good and bad kings, he was on the good side of things. But towards the end of his life, he made some poor decisions, and, and God was going to bring some destruction on the land. And God basically says to Hezekiah, I will bring destruction, but not while you are king. Not while you're still alive. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse number 19 says, Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, that is a good thing that you said. But here's why he said that. He said, and he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? He says, as long as it's good while I'm here, then that's good. As long as I have peace in my life, that's good. It doesn't matter if my children or my grandchildren suffer destruction and pain. As long as it's good for me, then it's all good. That's what Hezekiah was saying. But I think a leading father, a godly father, wants more than just good in his days. I think he wants good for it in all the days of his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. We see that there is a father's compensation also of purpose. Verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Because of the children of Israel, we have some great blessings. Some of you may have heard of a company called Google. Google was started by two Jewish individuals. And there's a lot of other things that we have because of the descendants of Abraham. Vaccines. Polio vaccine against the bubonic plague. Did you know that genes were invented? by a Jewish individual. Those of you that wear jeans every day, you know, on Saturdays and you go to work, you have, you, have, you have Abraham to thank. Abraham, thank you. 
for my jeans. Some of you eat these things called cherry tomatoes. There's a Jewish individual who altered the tomato, I don't know how this exactly works, so that we have these cherry tomatoes now. Every time you eat a cherry tomato. Thank you, Abraham, for this cherry tomato. The USB drive was invented by a child of Abraham. Ballpoint pens were invented by a Jewish individual. Every time you pick up that big ballpoint pen and you write it, Abraham, thank you so much for this ballpoint pen. Thank you so much for Google. Now I know the answer to everything. <laughs> but you know, when the Bible here is talking about all the nations of the world shall be blessed, that's not what it's talking about, is it? I mean, it's nice to have blue jeans. It's nice to have ballpoint pens. It's nice, maybe, for some of you who like cherry tomatoes to have cherry tomatoes, but that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about a Messiah who is going to come to earth. It's talking about a Savior who would come to die for the sins of the world. Through Abraham, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. Not just his people would be blessed, but the whole world would be blessed because of Abraham. The biggest blessing that we could give to our children is the gospel. Of course, we can't make them to be saved, but we can lead them there and pray that they will trust. But the best thing that we could do for the world is not pray that our children will start the next Apple or Google or Tesla or whatever next big company comes along. The greatest gift that we could give to the world is a child who will be a witness for Jesus Christ. The best thing that we could do for the world is to lead our child to lead somebody, even just one soul, to the Savior. That will make a greater impact for eternity than building up the biggest company in the world to coming up with some new technology that changes people's lives. That is the greatest blessing that we could give the world to introduce to somebody about this way, the truth, the life, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's really what our job is as fathers. Our job as fathers, of course, includes providing for our children and teaching them and caring for them and leading them and helping them with their homework and all of these sorts of things. But really, our job as fathers is to lead them to the Lord and to lead others to the Lord This morning we see Abraham, who was a leading father. He gave a command, and we see the course that he commanded them to go on, and we see his compensation. Fathers, let's be leading fathers. Those of you that are not yet fathers, determine today that you will lead like Abraham did. Make some decisions today that you will follow the way of the Lord.